Thank you, Greg, and good morning. As our wiggly worshipers exit, hopefully the rest of you are settled down and ready for the word this morning. So welcome to Trinity. It's a pleasure to see you here this morning. We have guests today. Welcome to you. Welcome to those of you online who are joining us today, maybe for the first time. We ask that you give us at least three weeks, and uh, we would appreciate that. And the next three weeks, you'll get to hear John. You've heard me. This will be my fourth, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope that you have. It's so nice just to concentrate on preaching. And John does such a great job with announcements that I think he should do the announcements from now on, don't y'all? We share, and we're glad to do that. And So welcome this morning. I too want to thank the volunteers of Fall Festival yesterday. And here's what I was thinking. I shared this with John this morning. The group that came here Saturday looks like our community. And so should our church. They were from all kinds of backgrounds. And uh, they were comfortable here. They had a great time. Some of them, we don't know why they came. God just sent them here. And so we look forward to that in the future as we offer opportunities for people to come and and check us out and find out uh, what's going on here at Trinity. And so it was very exciting. And I told uh, Beth, I said, next year you won't be able to hold them all because we have footage now to see what happened last year. And uh, we can promote it and we'll have uh, hopefully a great time with that again in the future and, and other events. Well, we have been in the book of Proverbs, and we're still there this morning. If you want to join me there in Proverbs, we will uh, make our way through the message today. We, if, you, if you missed the series, uh, the last three messages, the first one was a source of wisdom. By the way, you don't ever have to miss a message anymore, do you? You can go home and watch it after it's posted. You can get on our website. You can get on uh, Faith. A faith life, and you can view and catch up, and and lots of people are previewing us before they come, and we like that. We like for you to uh, get to know us and know what we believe and what we preach, and it's always from this book, the Word of God, and we uh, want to share things that you can use in your life and things that you can take home and apply during the week. So, I hope that these messages have been practical and something that you can use and put into practice. The source of wisdom, a lot of information in our day. We're overwhelmed with information, aren't we? Some of it's good, some of it's not. In fact, a lot of it's not. But we have to have some screen to sort through the information, and this is the screen that we look through as we make decisions in life. It's the Word of God and what God says. So lots of information, but only one source of wisdom. That is God's Word. I gave you some good advice a couple of weeks ago, some biblical advice. And that advice was, be careful of the company that you keep. What happens uh, to you through the company that you keep? Well, you become like the company that you keep. That's some great advice. Last week, what God sees. What is God sees what we see. He also sees what we don't see. And he always sees what other people don't see. Except your mother. She probably sees... Most of it. So you can't fool mom, and you certainly can't fool God, can you? Lots of other topics that I thought about, and maybe we'll continue this series later on, but we're getting ready for missions conference, so we want to kind of transition in that direction, and maybe we'll come back to some of these topics later. Um, I was thinking of a couple of things that I could preach about from Proverbs. Work ethic. Hard work what it means to have something to give your life to. You know, going to work is not a burden. If you do something that you enjoy and something that you love, what's the saying? You don't ever work a day in your life. You enjoy it, so pursue something that you enjoy. We have a, this idea today that work is something to be avoided. That, you know, at all costs, stay home and draw a pay- paycheck and don't go to work. The Bible speaks totally contrary to that. God created us to work and to serve, and to have purpose through our work, and what we do as we serve God and others through our work. So I could preach about work ethic, and I think of that quote, hard work beats talent with no work every time. So if you think you're not the most talented person in the world, you can gain an advantage by just knowing how to work hard. 
I've taught my kids that, and I think they found that to be true. You don't have to work so physically hard all your life if you don't want to, but if you know how, it's a wonderful uh, thing to know and to know that you can earn a living uh, as you go out into life. I also thought about friendship. You know, I've kind of geared this toward younger people, and what does it mean to be a real friend? We, we don't know these days. You know, when I grew up, I had friends that I could count on, and I still have friends that I can count on. I can call people right now and say, I need something. They say, I'm there, and I do the same thing. If you, if you need something, that lifelong bond of friendship that we are losing today because uh, we're so quick to turn our backs on one another, even other believers, shame on us. We ought to be the kind of friend that other people can count on. But this morning, there is a topic that I just couldn't get away from. And the topic today, the truth that you may not learn in school these days, is this. The power of words. The power of words. Sometimes we let words flow so freely and we don't stop to think about the impact of words that we speak to others and about others. Did you know your words are powerful? When I was in high school, a sophomore, I really wasn't the best student, but I really didn't work very hard either. Math was not my subject. Still not. But when I was a sophomore in high school, my guidance counselor invited me into his office and said, I don't think you're college material. And I believed it. He said, uh, I think your next two years, your junior and senior year, you should go to shop class. Well, shop class was three hours in the morning in the junior year and three hours in the afternoon the senior year. So I followed his advice and I went to shop. And I'm so glad that I did. I learned so much. I learned how to weld, how to uh, gas weld, how to arc weld, how to heli-arc weld. I learned uh, how to tear a small engine down and put it back together. That saved me a lot of money through the years, being able to work on my own stuff. I learned machine shop. I could run a lathe. I could run a milling machine. I knew basics of electricity. And I gained so much through those two years. And then God did something very different in my life. I never thought I'd go to college. Didn't plan to go to college. He called me to ministry and said, you're going to college. I was 21 years old, almost. A week before I was 21, I started Bible college. Um... I graduated with a pretty good GPA, enough to get into graduate school. I always wanted to go back and tell my counselor, but I never did. And I'm sure he had the best intentions. By the way, he was a bivocational pastor. He's with the Lord now. But don't feel sorry for me, okay? Because those words impacted me really in a negative way. You know, if... If I had done what I wanted to do, I would have gone to Virginia Tech and I would have been a veterinarian. That was the dream of my life and my heart that I wanted to do. But I thought, and and by the way, I don't know if I could have done it. It's very demanding. But some encouragement in that direction might have happened. Those words were very powerful in my life. So when God puts you in a place to advise others, weigh your words carefully. Now, I graduated from Bible college, went to uh, UNC Greensboro, graduated with a a master's degree in higher education administration, wound up working 10 years at my alma mater, wonderful years, and this I would have never dreamed. God then allowed me to go back on the board of trustees for almost 20 years at my alma mater. What a privilege to be able to give back and serve to those who had poured so much into my life. So much of my life's been involved in education, although I really wasn't college-bound. So don't let anybody discourage you. You, can, you should respect the words of people around you, but you need to, to listen to God and what He wants to do in your life 
more than anyone else. The power of words. The Word of God applied by the Spirit of God to the life of a genuine child of God will will result in change in your life in every area. Every area. You'll be amazed what God will do through you in life if you just submit yourself to Him and to His Word, take it to heart, and when God tells you to do something, do it with all your might. Do it with everything that you have as unto God. And by the way, everything that we do should be done as unto God. If you mow a yard, mow it as if God were, were going to, as if it was His yard, because really it is, isn't it? If you are in childcare, you go and you serve and you work as if you were doing it as unto God. Whatever job you have, and I've told people this uh, for a long time. If you have a menial job and you think it's not important, it is important. You're learning things along the way that you're going to use in life. But not only that, when you look back and you had a job you hated, it will make you so satisfied when you finally find the thing in life that you love doing. So there's a process there. The power of words. There have been times in my life when words hurt me. And there have been times in life when words encouraged me. I have, and every pastor ought to have one of these. I'm not sure if John does or not, but I think he probably does. We haven't discussed it. But when I was in Bible college, one of my professors said, every pastor needs an encouragement folder because there's going to be times when you need it. You're going to go through deep waters and you're going to need to look back and you're going to need to find something that encourages you. I have a file about this thick of encouragement notes. And some of your notes are in there, by the way. But this one in particular from 20 years ago really touched me. These are the words of a person who sat under my ministry in 2002. Dear Pastor Brian, let me me just preface this by saying this lady had been out of church for many, many years because she had gone through a divorce and couldn't bring herself to go back to church. She didn't feel welcome at church. Shame on us. Shame on us. Half the population is out there wondering if there's any hope and if if God loves them. And they're welcome here and they ought to be welcome anywhere that people gather for worship. She didn't feel welcome, but she wrote this note. Dear Pastor Brian, I just wanted to let you know this morning I picked up a pad of paper to make some notes from my Bible study and briefly glanced at the last notes I had made there. Oh, they were good to read. And she's quoting, Got a problem? Do you have a solution? Talk to God. Don't let discouragement stop you. Don't let people stop you. God has asked you, Are you reporting for service? What is your answer? She says, I tried to figure out whose sermon sounded a little bit like Chuck Swindoll. Or was it David Jeremiah? As I turned back, I found it was Pastor Cockrum. Now, I was a young preacher just getting started. Those words were so encouraging that she was that she would eat. Now, I know better than to be compared to guys like that, although I love both of those preachers. And, and honestly, they do impact us, and we desire to communicate like great communicators, but we have to be ourselves. She says, I couldn't let the opportunity go by to let you know what a blessing and, encouragements your, and encouragement your sermons are to me. Thank you. Love in Christ, Lynn Trivet. She went on to be a great servant in our church. She made these handmade cards. This one has a butterfly on the front, and it said, To a caterpillar, no legs is the end, but to God, it's a butterfly. She sent those uh, words of encouragement all over our church, all over our community, and she became a great servant of God. And she was also a great encourager. And I appreciated her so much and still do. Words have power. That was a a particularly difficult time in ministry when she sent that note. And we were going through some really deep waters. 
And her, her words just lifted me up. That somebody was getting something from the effort and the labor and what we were seeking to deliver there. And so it, it was so encouraging. So, I want to talk to you about the power of words. Words are powerful. You can use them for good or evil. You can use words to heal and build up, or you can use words to hurt and destroy people. And we've all heard that saying, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? That's a lie. That's not true. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Now let me just say, you can overcome words. You can overcome even devastating words. There's, there's nothing in your life that you can't overcome no matter what you've been told if God is for you and he's for you and he'll help you. So don't whine. Turn to God. Confess it to him. Get up, get over, get up and go on. Don't let anybody's words stop you from doing anything God wants you to do. But words do hurt. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me. That is not true. Words can harm people. I'm in Proverbs chapter eight, uh, chapter 12 this morning, verse 18. The power of words. I'm going to be reading several different topical passages from Proverbs this morning because, and I'm just barely touching the tip of the iceberg about what Proverbs has to say about our words Proverbs 12:18 There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword but the tongue of the wise promotes health Now there's the dichotomy James says a lot about the tongue you know the tongue can bless people but it can also curse people. So you can do your own study. If you want to go to James 3, I won't get there this morning. But it's a wonderful study. Proverbs is full. Again, I'm just barely touching on what God says about our words this morning. But a lot of people bear scars from words. Emotional scars. Mental scars. Spiritual scars from the words of other people. Maybe they meant well, maybe they didn't. God knows the motives of our heart. But some words can humiliate, demean, even lacerate their victims. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs twelve eighteen. What do you do when you pierce a person with a sword? Well, you intend a mortal blow. You're in combat, you shove a sword into someone, your intention is to harm that person, if not kill them. I find it very interesting that Solomon says words can be like a sword that pierces a person. Solomon says some words penetrate like a sword. They go deep, they inflict severe pain, and even draw blood. And everybody has been hurt by some words at some time or another. I know we, we all share that in common. Maybe it was the words of a friend who you thought was your friend, and you found out they really weren't. Maybe it was the words of a spouse, or a family member, or a parent, or a child. You know, the, the words of people sometimes hurt us. So why would we want to hurt other people with our words? When, when we ourselves at some point have been hurt by why would we want to hurt someone else, especially intentionally? And that's what Solomon's talking about here. Intentional infliction of pain by our words. And folks, I think we're living in an epidemic of it today. We're so disconnected from each other. It's so easy to email or to text or to tweet something that you would never say to a person's face. So be careful of your words. I learned that the hard way, by the way. I had a, uh, a gentleman that accused me of uh, dividing his family. 
And it, it became a public thing, and the guy was in ministry, and I learned the hard way, never put anything on email. You better have a face-to-face com, uh, conversation. So I'll share that little tidbit with you this morning. Sit down face-to-face and talk with people. Words, chapter 15 of Proverbs, verse 4. says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. That word break or breach is a strong word. It means to destroy. It means uh, to uh, crush or to bruise or to break. Did you know that your words can... uh, can break the human spirit. Our words to people can break their spirit. Words that we intentionally share, intentionally say. Parents yelling at their kids, telling them they're stupid and ignorant and they'll never amount to anything. Now you say, who would do that? People do that. In fits of anger, frustration, whatever, the words come out, And when the words come out, you can never put them back. If you use your words to abuse and destroy people, you're nothing but a big bully if you do it intentionally. You know, we used to say, somebody ought to take you out behind the woodshed and give you a a whipping. You know, you can't say that anymore, but here's, here's what God says. I'll take you out behind the woodshed myself and give you a good whipping. If you're abusing people with your words, if you'll listen to what I say, and you think about your words before you say them, maybe that'll happen this morning. Men abusing their wife and kids with words. Women abusing their husbands and kids with words. You can crush You can destroy, you can bruise, you can break the spirit of the the human life with your words. And by the way, children, you can do the same. You know, every once in a while I'm in public and I hear, You don't tell me what to do. You don't own me. Well, as a matter of fact the infamous comedian that we can no longer quote, who said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, figuratively speaking, of course. How do we hurt people with words? Well, several ways. Words to people. This is a tough message. I'll just warn you. Be careful what you say. Not only do our words affect others even for a lifetime, we will give account to God for every word and every injury we inflict in others with our words. That's how serious this is. We'll give account to God for our words, especially when they were intended to hurt people. And we have the power over them to do that, and we use that power, we use that relationship to injure people or to control people or to get our way or whatever our impure motive is and we know we can do it and we use our words like a weapon. So be careful of your words. Words to people, words about people. Yeah, I'm really going there because God does. We're just kind of walking through Proverbs 16, 20, and it's in every chapter almost. 16, 27, and 28. Look what God says. An ungodly man digs up evil, and it's on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. I don't need to ask for a show of hands of people that have seen that happen or had it happen. Here's what God's saying. A perverse man, an ungodly man, or one who's acting like an ungodly person, 
turns the facts around to make them something totally different than they really mean. That's my own translation. I can give you an easy illustration. Just look at the political ads on TV. I'm sure somewhere in the background is an attorney who's saying, you can say this much, but don't say this word, because that's slander. But you can get just as... And really, you can slander without... uh, getting sued, and sometimes they do get sued because they're just lies. I call it silly season. I'll be so glad when the ads are over on TV for politics. By the way, I email my senators regularly about issues like freedom of speech because very closely behind freedom of speech, very close is freedom of religion. And the freedom that we have to stand in this pulpit and preach the truth of the Word of God without authority, uh, with authority and without intervention of people in power. This is a God-given right to come and preach God's truth and for you to come and listen to it and make your own mind up and to hear what God has to say. And we're going to keep on preaching the truth no matter what happens in our culture because we're accountable to God. And in my opinion, very closely, in fact, perhaps ahead of the power of speech is the First Amendment is the Second Amendment. So if, uh, if, if it weren't for the Second Amendment, we might not have the First Amendment. I know they, what order they come in. So I like to ask politicians questions like that. Will you stand for the First Amendment? Will you stand behind the power of pastors to preach the truth in the pulpit? Or are you going to cave in like all of the country is doing, all corporations are doing, caving in, caring less about the truth, but what is popular? What's popular is not going to last for eternity, but truth will. So there's a time for strong words. And there's a time to speak the truth. And there's a time when it's not popular, but you have to speak the truth no matter what. Words to people, but words about people. Now, let me give you an illustration. Supposing you hear something about someone, and you're not sure of the source. You're not sure the, the the truth of it. We do this all the Just get them social media. You never know the source of anything. You never see uh, credit given to the person to primary source anymore. But we just quote it. We just share it. We don't know who said it. We don't know why they said it, what the context is. But supposing someone came to you and said, I heard this about this person and it's, it's pretty bad about their character or about who they are or some, something that's damaging. And now you have a choice to make. What are you going to say about them? May I share several questions you ought to ask yourself when you hear something about someone else? Here's the first one. Is this true? Remember a time when truth mattered? Remember a time when people thought it was wrong to lie and to slander and to destroy other people? Whatever their intention... We live in a day now, as long as you get what you want, it doesn't matter about truth. You know, you just want to get your agenda done. Truth is out the window. Well, not with God. And as a believer, you're accountable to Him. What, what should you ask yourself? Is this true? If it's not true, you better not repeat it. Because you're going to answer to God for every word. Second thing, if it is true, would God want me to repeat this? You know, we ought to go through this process. I'm a believer. I know what God's Word says. I've heard something about a person. Is it true? And if even if it is true, would God want me to repeat it? Number three, if it is true, would I want it said about me? Would I want this shared publicly or should I do what Scripture says and go directly to the person and say, I heard something about you and I'm not accusing you, but I'm here to find out the truth. And most issues would be settled right there if we did what Matthew said in in Scripture. 
That's our obligation. Not to spread it to everybody else, but to go directly to the person and get it straight. And as big boys, we ought to be able to do that. And big girls. And then finally, if it is true, will it help or hurt the person? And our words do one or the other. They either help or they hurt. There's no neutral. And we can use our words to build up, or we can use our words to tear down. That's, that's the message of Proverbs. There's, there's a choice involved. You're going to use your words to build people up, or you're going to use your words to tear people down. By the way, should God's people come expecting to be built up when they're with other believers or torn down? Well, we need to be built up, don't we? That doesn't mean we don't speak the truth to each other. But the world tears us down all the time. Folks, as time increases, goes on, and, and as our culture's change increases, I've said this before, this may be the greatest oasis we can find as we come together as God's people and love each other and encourage one another. Yes, speak the truth to each other. But there's no love in this world for truth. It's, we, we hold it. What are we going to do with it? Words are powerful. So, do you think God is serious about how we use words? Well, look at Proverbs 18 and verse number 8. Here's another little tidbit. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. And they go down into the inmost body. A gossip or a slanderer intends to damage a person in their inmost being. They go right for the heart. They inflict a fatal blow. And by the way, some people make a lifestyle out of gossiping. I heard uh, a story once. This was a country preacher, so uh, it's a little rough, but it's true. He was an evangelist pre- preaching for another pastor, and there was a town gossip who had been to every church and every revival, and that person would go forward at the end of the service and confess their gossiping, but go right on gossiping. Everybody knew it. You know, they were just, this person just spewed. They found out something, they were going to spew it everywhere they went. So the person went forward and said, Preacher, I'd like to, to lay my tongue on the altar. And the country preacher looked around and said, Well, it's only 20 by 50. I'm not sure there's enough room. That's a little rough, isn't it? But it was true especially when you give the impression that you want to get something right with God, but you really don't. You just go right on doing what you want to do because you love it so much. And if you love gossiping, God has a lot to say about it. Proverbs 26, verse 22. You can just keep going on and on and on. Wow, these are the same words. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. Our words about people injure. Our words about people destroy. Our words about people can even destroy a person's character and be totally untrue. Be careful of your words. Words to people... Words about people. Now, have you had enough of that? You got the point? Well, let's go back and do this all over again. Back to Proverbs chapter 15. And to show you the balance of the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God, your words can also bring a lot of good. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Never been a clearer word for the day in which we live, has there? So much foolishness that it's called truth. 
And people just take it in. They never check it out. They just share it. And it, be, it becomes widely accepted when there's not a bit of truth in it. In fact, there's a lot of lies in it, but they, they have no idea how to discern between one or the other. This book tells you how. 15.23 of Proverbs. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Have you found that to be true in your life? When somebody came to you, whether it was a confrontation or whether it was an encouragement, and they told you the truth. By the way, don't ever push away a friend who tells you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. That's a true friend. If they'll come and confront you and speak to your face and say, I see something in your life and it's not good and I'm coming to you out of concern as your brother or your sister. There's joy, there can be joy in our words. Edification, that's what, that is building up. That is uh, helping others and that's what we need to do is to build up each other. When the world is constantly tearing us down, we need to be building up each other by our words, good words, words about God and about the future and about uh, who He is. I love the songs that we sing about God and who He is. It's so refreshing, isn't it? To come in from the world and sing those songs to Him and about Him and know they are true because they come from His Word. We can never sing enough about Him. And it lifts us up to remember who we are, who He is. Words of joy. 1530 uh, says, The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. It's, it's, even, it's good for us physically and mentally and, and spiritually in every way to hear good news, not just to be bombarded with bad news all the time and how bad everything is, but there's good news. And we need to focus on what God is doing. Is He still not God? He is. Even in the midst of a perverse generation, He is God. And He's doing something if we look for it. And He wants to do it in our heart. 27.9, and again, we could continue on and on and on, but great words. 27.9 of Proverbs, ointment and perfume delight the heart. Now, some of you can't stand perfume, and I realize that literally, but think of this figuratively. Here's the question. Do your words stink or do they smell good? Do they... Turn your stomach when you hear them, or do they bring a pleasant thought and a pleasant response? That's the power of words. The sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. You have a friend like that who some somebody said <laughs> some some people brighten the room when they walk in and others brighten it when they walk out. <laughs> Well, that's a pretty good illustration of that verse, isn't it? But, sometimes the words we say are not for affirmation. As I said, when a friend confronts you, and the pastor stands up and preaches from the Word of God, and God pierces your soul, don't get mad at the messenger. It's God that gives you the truth. Accept it. Let Him change you. Say to him, God, you're right. I didn't know this, or I did know it, but I wasn't willing to do anything about it. When a friend comes and, and confronts you with the truth, consider that a blessing from God, that he would love you enough to correct you and save you from destroying your life and your family. Words can heal. The Bible says they're healthy. Uh, words can bring joy and gladness into the heart. Words spoken about people can be powerful. They can tear down or they can build up. So, we're talking about words to, spoken to people, words spoken about people, words that destroy, words that edify. Let me read you something. 
There was once a little boy who had a bad temper. His father gave him a bag of nails and told him every time he lost his temper, he must hammer a nail into the back of the fence. Over the next few weeks, as he learned to control... Pardon me. The first day, the boy had driven 37 nails into the fence. Now, boy, he lost his temper a lot, hadn't he? 37 nails. By the way, it takes a lot of effort to nail 37 nails. This dad was wise. So, first day was 37 nails in the fence. Over the next few weeks, he gradually learned to control his temper. And so, he nailed less and less nails into the fence. Finally, the day came when the boy didn't lose his temper at all. He told his father about it, and the wise father suggested that the boy now pull out one nail for each day he was able to hold his temper. Days passed, weeks passed, months passed, but finally all the nails were gone out of the back of the fence. And he was so proud, and he went to his dad, and he said, Dad, look at the fence. And his dad said, well, come look at the fence a little closer. The father took his son by the hand and led him to the fence, and he said, you've done well, son, but look at the holes in the fence. The fence will never be the same. When you say things in anger, they leave a scar just like this one. You can put a knife in a man and draw it out. It doesn't matter how many times you say, I'm sorry. The, the pain is still inflicted and the scar is always there if they survive. The wound is still there. A verbal wound is just as bad as a physical wound. What an illustration that dad gave his son. And what an illustration for us. Can you go to someone and say, would you forgive me for my words? Absolutely. Can they forgive you? And can two people come to an agreement that it's all forgiven? Absolutely. God does that for us all the time. Why shouldn't we be willing to do it with others? So, if you've had... A fight with someone, go and make it right. Go and make up. Go and apologize. Go and say, will you forgive me? But remember this. The scars are always there. Even though it's been forgiven, even though it's healed, the scars are always there. Wouldn't it be better not to inflict the wound to start with by the control of our tongue and our words? And we're capable. Now, we all lose our temper. We all say things we shouldn't say, especially in anger, especially in frustration. And as adults, we ought to be man enough to say, I'm sorry for my words. And when this message is over, some of us are going to have to do that. We're going to need to go face-to-face with people. We're going to need to call people, maybe write a letter or an email or a text if they're far away and just say, you know what, I've heard... but." It'd be better if you did it face to face. When I was in the eighth grade, talk about the power of words if you're a teacher. My eighth grade teacher, whom I loved, English teacher, she was superb. I wasn't strong in math, but I was pretty good in English because of teachers like her. She told a story that I never forgot. She said one day, she she was talking about our words, and she said one day, a, a husband and wife had a fight. He was a lineman for the power company. They hadn't been married very long, and they had fights like all couples do, occasionally arguments. And as he went out the door, she said, I hope you don't come back. That day, he was electrocuted on the job and never came back. She said that woman lost her mind over her words said in anger. I've never forgotten that. Once... 
The toothpaste is out of the tube. You ever tried to put it back? Very difficult, isn't it? Once the words leave your mouth. Sometimes while you're speaking them, you know these words should not be leaving my mouth. But it's too late. They're out. What can we do? We can do what God tells us to do. First of all, we can learn to control our words. That's where our emphasis should be. Yes, we can go and try to make it right. We can go and apologize. But as believers, as we grow more like Christ, we should have more and more control over our words, not less and less. Like the little boy, he learned over time not to get angry. He learned a great lesson. And so can we, even from the worst situations, we can, we can learn great lessons about the power of words. Now, I can't end the series without sharing some good words. We know there are plenty of bad things that we say and that we do th- say and things that people have said to us. But let me give you 12 words that will change your life. The first one is please. Isn't it nice when someone uses the word please? I love to go to Chick-fil-A and they say, my pleasure. Thank you for letting me serve you today. My pleasure. Isn't that a, it's probably a marketing tool. (laughs) But it's a wonderful thing for people to be pleasant. And by the way, it's a powerful thing when you're pleasant in return. Are you a bad customer? Do you go to a restaurant and you're never happy about anything? And by the time you leave, the the waiter or waitress says, I'm glad they're gone. If you do that, do not leave a gospel tract with Trinity Community Church on it. I command you. And you better leave a good tip. Your words impact people. Now, we, we chuckle about that. You know... When waiters and waitresses want to work the least after church on Sunday. Now you just take that to heart and think about your words and how it impacts people. By the way, I've never had anybody turn me away when I said, could I pray for you today about something in your life? Never. Has anyone got upset? gotten upset when I've asked that? So the word please, powerful. Two more words. Thank you. Isn't it nice to hear those words? Thank you. By the way, a person who cannot say thank you never appreciates anything and is never satisfied. Please and thank you. And by the way, it's nice to hear kids who are polite and have been taught to be polite. Here's some more. I'm sorry. Say those words with me together. I'm sorry. Some of you didn't get in there. Let's do that again. I'm sorry. I want everybody to say they have said those words at least once in their life. Didn't hurt too bad, did it? I'm sorry. Some people have never said those words because they're always right. They're never wrong about anything. You just ask your family what they think. I'm sorry. I love you. We don't say that enough, do we? I love you. And by the way, mean it when you say it. And people can tell whether you mean it or not. Don't just say it. You better mean it when you say it. And then the last words. I'm praying for you. Now before you tell somebody that, you better be praying for them. Don't tell them that. If you, you know, we're bad, so I'm praying for you. And then we go to something and we don't pray for them. I'm pr- Aren't those precious words when you're going through difficult times? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Those words lift us up. 
and they heal us and they help us to get through the difficulties of this life, especially in the day in which we're living. Our words are so powerful. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the truth of your word. Words are truly powerful. You cared enough about words to record an endless supply of wisdom for us in your word. Yes, you made sure that your words were written so that we could read them. Words of love and words of correction. Words designed to build up, words designed to tear down so that we come to the end of ourselves and turn to you because it's the truth about ourselves and the truth about you. And we're so thankful that you love us enough to tell us the truth even when it hurts. Like this morning, these words were not all pleasant and they were very convicting to us. And now we come to a time when we decide, what am I going to do with what I heard? Am I going to ignore it? Or am I going to go home and ponder it and then do something about what I've heard? This morning as we close, as we talk to you and as we talk to you in our hearts, Lord, we have decisions to make today. What will we do with what I heard? Do I need to go and talk to someone? Almost all of us would say yes. Whether we're the breaker of the relationship or someone else. Father, uh, most of all, we need to talk to you and ask you to change our lives, to change our bad habits and our sin, and to make us more careful about our words and what we say to one another. Thank you so much for your truth. Yes, it pierces, and yes, it's alive. And it's designed to make us better, not bitter. So may we leave here today looking to you and asking you to speak to our hearts and change our lives and then do what may change our relationship with someone else forever. In Jesus' name, amen.